Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Hey, so we've been in Hebrews. You guys, grab your Bibles. Um, we have a really long passage today, and we're going to read every bit of it on the front end. I've got uh, Danny Mack coming out. He's going to read this for us. So just, just hunker down in your seats. Grab your Bibles, get to Hebrews. Uh, we'll start in chapter 9 and verse 11. Chapter 9 and verse 11. we got quite a bit to get through, so I just want to jump in and get going. Hebrews 9, 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Instead, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these... For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. 
For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and, I, and, and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This is the word of the Lord. Man a lot, huh? So if I hit every verse and I give three minutes per verse, then we'll get out of here in about an hour and a half. So just hold on. Just kidding. Not going to do that. Here's the deal. Let me review with you. We've been in Hebrews. A lot of you have been on this ride with us in Hebrews and a lot of this sounded uh, familiar. So most recently we've talked about covenants and what covenants were. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, what happened in covenants is that God would come and he would make, make promises to humans. And then humans would then in turn make a commitment to God in light of his promise. The problem is the humans always failed on their commitment. And then Hebrews starts talking about an old covenant. And they were specifically, and the, and the writer of Hebrews was specifically talking about the Mosaic covenant. The covenant to Israel. And in that Mosaic law, in that covenant, Israel was given a bunch of instructions. And if you remember, we talked last week about a tent or a tabernacle. And, and they would go in. But when I say they, it was just priests. Priests were only allowed to go into, into the holy place. And then even the high priest was only allowed to go into the holy of holies. And we talked about there was this limited access to God under the old covenant. Limited access to the presence of God under the old covenant but we learn that God always wanted a people to dwell with and a place in which to dwell 
And I don't want us to miss this. When we're talking about that tent, when we're talking about the tabernacle, here's what I want you to see. This is review. We're still reviewing. But I want you to understand that God wants to communicate with us. He wanted to communicate with them in the Old Testament. And if you look at the structure of the temple that we talked about last week, it shows that God is drawing men to himself. That's really what we saw in the old tabernacle, that God would draw men from the outside into the Holy of Holies, into his presence. God brings men and women to himself. And my prayer is is that that happens in this place today, that God would draw you to himself. And under this old covenant, we talked about two limitations. One was the the severe restriction of access, but then... Last week I mentioned that this week we're only talking about sacrifices. So under the Mosaic law, there was this sacrificial system. But the thing about these sacrifices under the Old Covenant is that they were inadequate. There was a limitation. So if you go back to covenants, may I remind you, God made promises. The humans made commitments. Humans broke their commitments, and the genius of the gospel is this, that God knew all along that he was going to have to become human to fulfill the human side of the covenant. Because no matter what, we would always, those of us born into sin, which is all of us except for the Son of God, those of us born into sin, we would always break our commitments. The genius of the gospel, God became human to fulfill the human side of the covenant. Now this this is going to be repetitive. Hebrews does get repetitive. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to be be in a lot of scripture. So you need to get your pens out, get your Bibles out, get ready to roll. We're going to be in a lot of scripture. But listen, I think if we don't get this, what we're going to talk about today, Hill City Church, if we don't get this, I don't really know what we're doing here. That's how important I believe this is today. I made a strong statement to Danny. We were studying. We studied together. We bounced things off. I said, I I think this is the most important sermon that I've ever preached in my life. I cried a lot writing this sermon. This is a big deal. So here's what we're going to hit today. The theme of the passage of scripture that Danny read to you was one word that was repeated at least 12 times and the word was blood blood. So we're going to talk about why blood? Why all this blood talk? And then we're going to look at the blood in the old covenant and then we're going to look at the blood in the new covenant. That's where we're going today. So let's start with why blood. We came right out of the gate in chapter 9 verse 12 and 14. You saw the word blood mentioned four times in three verses. Why blood? I think to understand this we have to go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Man and woman, there they are, Adam and Eve, they were perfect. There was no such thing as death. They were in in right relationship with the holy God. Are you with me there? You got the scene, right? That's Genesis chapter 1. And just two chapters later in Genesis chapter 3, sin enters this perfect world. And it's fractured. And here's what happened the moment... Sin came into the world, Adam and Eve instantly died. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, I know enough of my Bible. No, that, I don't think that happened. No, it did happen. It's just that they instantly died a spiritual death. Later, physical death would come. But in that moment, there was an instant spiritual death. They were instantly cut off from a right relationship with the holy God. And listen, write this down. From that very moment, evil sought supremacy in our lives. From that moment in Genesis 3, evil sought supremacy in our lives. Now what happened with Adam and Eve? They realized they were naked. Oh boy. They hid. And they actually went so far as to go get some leaves and they sewed them together to cover themselves. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. But God was not cool with that. That didn't do the job. So God said, no, that's not going to work. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, God clothed them with the skin of an animal. Now, why am I bringing that up? Put yourself in Adam and Eve's position. They had no clue what death was. They had no idea what a physical death was. And they went from, from, from not even knowing what it was to seeing an animal die so that they could be covered. Now listen to me, this is an animal that they would have named. Are you with me? This is an animal they would have spent time with. This was an animal that they would have been connected to because that's how it was. And there in Genesis chapter 3, we see the first physical death in the Bible and it was an animal. Blood was shed because of the sin of the man and the woman. Sin has a cost. It has always had a cost. Romans chapter 6.23 said, For the wages of sin is death. That started in Genesis. The wages of sin is death. Sin steals, sin kills, and sin destroys. And it has always, from the beginning of time, taken blood to cover sins. Why? Because God made it that way. And here's what I know to be a fact. God is holy, and God is perfect, and God is loving, and God is always right. And God said, something has to die to cover this properly. So this takes us now to, okay, that, that, that's, that's, that's the beginning, but, but then now we get into this old covenant and this, this idea of sacrificial system. From You can read Exodus, you can read uh, Leviticus. We see bulls, we see goats, we see turtle doves, we see pigeons. And go, go, For time's sake, we don't, we're not going to do this. Go to Leviticus chapter 1, just read verses 1 through 5. Okay, if you have a lot of time, just read it all. Okay, listen, sacrifices, sacrifices. And I, sh I showed you the, the, the template of uh, the, the, the temple, right, the layout. And I showed you where the altar was and people could come in. They would come in with their animals. And maybe it was bulls, maybe it was goats, maybe it was turtle doves, maybe it was pigeons, depending on your socioeconomic status. But you have to understand, 
at that temple, sacrifices were made over and over and over. Listen, sometimes thousands of animals died in one day. Under this sacrificial system that we read about, this old covenant. And this gets us to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 18 through 21, where it says, Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses, remember, this, we're talking about the Mosaic covenant. When every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and the people. Right? So imagine, this is a bunch of blood. I just take the lid off and I'm just start throwing it all over you. This is what Moses did to inaugurate this first covenant. This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded you, verse 20. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and the vessels used in worship. So you got to see this. You have this book that he's reading from. Psh, psh, blood. The people. Blood. The tent. Blood. All the vessels used for worship. Blood. Everywhere blood. Go to Exodus chapter 24. Just write this down as a cross-reference. We won't go there today. Just write it down. Exodus chapter 24. And Exodus chapter 29. You can go read about this. I'm just going to summarize for it. There was blood that was sprinkled before the veil. Remember the veil we talked about last week? This thing that blocked our access to the Holy of Holies? Blood sprinkled. It's part of the process. Then, you remember the Holy of Holies? Or not, not, not the Holy of Holies yet. There was an altar out there. What did they do with that altar? They took blood. They sprinkled it on the altar. Again, this is all out of Exodus. Blood on the vessels used for worship, I just said. Blood on the tent. Blood would be placed on the priest's clothes. There's a weird spot too where they would like dab like their ear and their big toes. and Blood everywhere. Then you get into the Holy of Holies, right? Do you remember this? I showed you a picture of this last week. You had this Ark of the Covenant. And just beneath the, the, those wings was this thing called a mercy seat. Do you remember this? Blood on the mercy seat. That's Leviticus chapter 16, if you want to go read that, verses 14 and 15. Listen, I, if you're like me, we're reading this, we're going, dang, that's a whole lot of blood. And I'm seeing, I, a lot of parents are in this gathering, I see your faces. And, and those of us with young kids, it's a little bit of like PTSD, right? We're like, that stains everything, right? I've got four kids and like Kool-Aid and ketchup and white baseball pants and dresses, like Jenny and I will look at, we'll just look at each other sometimes just like, just throw it away. Just throw it in trash. <laughs> like that's not even, that, that stain's never come. Listen to me, this, everything in this tent, in this place, blood everywhere. Animals losing their lives. I want us to understand this. What went on? And this old covenant, under this Levitical system, all these sacrifices, sometimes thousands a day. It was ugly. This wasn't cute. Listen, we're in the Ozarks, okay, so I can go here. Um, a lot of hunters are around here, right? It's about that time of year anyway. We're going to, listen, 
When, when, you, when you kill an animal, specifically we'll just say deer because that's what's coming up. When you kill an animal, right, then you have to take it and you have to clean it. And dress. Listen, it's gross. It's smelly. It's ugly. It's messy. Imagine if I said you have to do that 1,000 times today. So I need you to get here with me. I need you to get to the temple. I need you to get to this tent. It was ugly. It was smelly. It was full of really bad noises. And it was full of really bad people. It was bloody. And it was messy. And hear me, it stained. It stained. It stained what it touched. Why? Because sin is real. And sin always costs something. And it always has cost blood. And you've got to understand this, guys. No, okay. If you've been around animals, this is going to click for you. Nothing about this was voluntary for these animals. Animals can sense death. You imagine, they would, they, they would have heard the noises. They would have been part of, of all the madness. They would have been scared. They would have been confused. Are you with me? We know how animals act. They probably would have had to been drug in with a rope around their neck. Come on, they're just digging their heels in. I know, they don't know what's going on, but something's not good in there. Nothing about these sacrifices were voluntary on the part of these animals. Here's a further answer of why so much blood. Why so much blood? Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says this. Life is in the blood. We know this. Talk to any medical doctor. They will tell you, listen, the Bible said it for years. There's life is in the blood. The blood, Hebrews 9.22 said, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It has always, always taken life to cover death. It has always taken blood to cover sins. And you have to understand this before you start to think, man, God's like bloody, like what is going on with him? Hebrews addresses this. Chapter 10, you can see they're quoting an old psalm there, but ch chapter 10, verse 6 and verse 8. God did not take pleasure in this. And everything that we're talking about, was a shadow, it was a copy of what God was going to do one day. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 23 says, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. You go into verse, or chapter 10 verse 1 through 4, for since the law has but a shadow. So listen, everything we're talking about, they were copies, they were shadows. All this bloodshed, all this stuff going on in the tent, all this stuff going on in the temple, they were just shadows. They were just copies. 
of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. We talked about this, but I got to tell you this. Under the old covenant, all this blood, all this sacrifice just reminded us of how junky we are. Sacrifice, why? Because you're horrible. Come back and do it again. Sacrifice, because you're horrible. Sacrifice, because you're horrible. They were just a reminder every year. And then verse 4 said, but it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Listen, the sheer repetition of all these Old Testament sacrifices, it shows their inadequacy. Don't miss it, but they were just copies but remember what I told you about covenants God didn't just come to fulfill the human side of the commitment by just obeying everything in the law which he did he didn't just do that God came To become the adequate sacrifice. And it's genius. Because the blood of bulls and goats would never take away sins. They were just showing us something that was coming. And that something was Jesus. Jesus, we've talked about this. Jesus is the better covenant. Jesus is without a doubt the better high priest. Jesus is the better tent. And Jesus is the better sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9, 13. Start in verse 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctifieth for the purification of the flesh. Verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. How much more will that sacrifice purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Listen, I'm going to say it again. The Old Testament, that Old Covenant, it was awesome. It worked how God wanted it to work. It gave us this picture. The New Covenant is better because Jesus is better. And because that's true, verse 15 says, Therefore... He, that's Jesus, is is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems. If you write in your Bible, underline that word, redeems. The death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. So you need to catch this. Another word for for, for covenant. We're talking covenants, right? Another word for covenant in your Bible is testament. So now you're like, okay, I got Old Testament in my Bible, and then I have New Testament. Another word 
that we could say there is old will, new will. So a little trivia, your New Testament in your Bible doesn't actually start at Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. The New Testament, the new will starts when Jesus died. That's what Hebrews tells us. But let's go back to this word I had you underline, redeem. It says to obtain the release or restoration of, as from captivity, by paying a ransom. So, so listen, if you're with me here, go back to that word costs. Sin always costs something. Jesus redeems us from our transgressions. In other words, he purchased us back. He paid our ransom. What was the price? It was his own blood. Because the blood of bulls and the blood of goats and the blood of pigeons and the blood of turtle doves would not do. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, this is review, but i got to go back. It said, in the days of his flesh, let's talk about Jesus. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard. So listen, go to me here. Go, go with me. So I already talked about the animals in the tent, right? They would have been confused. It would have been loud. It would have been ugly. But it was involuntary. Now come with me to Jesus. And here he is making these loud cries to his father. Anybody ever heard a grown man wail in pain and crying? We don't really get to hear that very much more because men don't, men don't do that. I've heard it. It's horrible. It's arguably one of the worst sounds I've ever heard in my life. And there's Jesus with loud crying. The only difference is, is unlike the animals, Jesus wasn't confused at all about what was going on. And what he was getting ready to do was completely voluntary. Wailing. And then he ends with, but not my will, but yours be done. And after he said those things, he goes to his altar. He goes to the cross. That's what we see. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. When he did the Father's will, he did away with the first in order to establish the second. Old covenant is gone, it becomes obsolete, and the second one is established. Then verse 10 says, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. If you write in your Bibles, just underline, once for all. 
Then verse 11 goes on, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered, again, keep your pens out, you ready? But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, So you have once for all in verse 10. In verse 11, for all time, a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So go back. Here here Jesus goes to the Christ. Or goes to the cross. Jesus Christ goes to the cross. It's one offering for all time. But in the tent, there were sometimes thousands of sacrifices a day. One of my favorite theologians, one of my favorite Bible teachers, if she teaches it, I pretty much listen. If she writes it, I pretty much read it. Jen Wilkins says, for 1,500 years, sometimes thousands of sacrifices a day. This went on for 1,500 years, and here we have Jesus, one man who in one day and in one hour put a stop to all of it. One man, one day, one hour. And on the cross, he uttered these words. It's actually one word, we translate it in three words. It is finished. No more blood. This is adequate. God says, no more blood. All the bleeding, all the death stopped in one moment. Ray Ortland says this, in one blinding moment of painful atonement on the cross, the dark energy of our evil forever lost its bid for supremacy. You remember the garden? In Genesis 3, evil had supremacy. It's wanted supremacy in your life and my life in every second. And in one dark moment on the cross, it's over. can never have supremacy in our lives again. It's in that light we go to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of of Jesus. Now remember, we've got to go back here. What was in the holy place? Hey, listen, Niners, you got to wake up. What, what was behind the curtain? Presence of God. Sitting up, hey, at the mercy seat, the, the presence of God behind the curtain, at the mercy seat. I remember last week in chapter 9, verse 5, I told you we were coming back to this this week. This is huge. If you get your pen out, write this. Look at verse 5 of chapter 9. It says, above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. And then I told you that a priest would put blood on that mercy seat. Are you staying with me? So we have this mercy seat, and a priest would go back there on the day of atonement, and he'd take blood of a bull, and he would throw it on the mercy seat. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. 
And we'll start in verse 23. All of you have heard this verse, I think, but maybe some of you haven't. But you need to hear this today. If you haven't heard this, may the Lord use this to pierce your heart. Here it is. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So listen, here's what we need to know. Hill City, we know this. But let us be reminded, we are not good guys and girls who mess up ever so often. We are messy sinners who just prove it every day. That's what Romans 3.23 says. Good thing is we have verse 24 and 25 coming. Now watch this. So I just told you the bad news, but here's the good news. Romans 3.24 and 25. Those sinners, us, who fall short of the Lord of God, are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, Hebrews chapter 9 says this. Here's the word for mercy seat. Okay? Helasterion. The only reason you need to know that. Helasterion. Now, let me reread to you verse 25. Uh, verse 25. Whom God put forward as a helasterion by his blood. Same word. That word propitiation. There in Romans is the exact same word for mercy seat in Hebrews. Why does this matter? Because Jesus is also our truer and our better mercy seat. See, a priest would go in and he would sprinkle blood on this mercy seat. But Jesus is our truer and better mercy seat. And on the cross, blood was on our mercy seat. But it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats. It was his own blood running down his body. That is our propitiation. That is how we are justified. Hill City Church, Jesus is better. He's a better mercy seat. So let me, listen, I'm going to get as practical as I can. We're going to bring this in. I'm going to get as practical as I can. Old covenant blood was messy. The old covenant blood, it stained. The new covenant blood of our better sacrifice actually removes stains. The stain of sin that's on our lives. It removes guilt. It cleanses, it cleanses our consciences. 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from what sin? All sin. This sacrifice that happened once and for all cleanses us from all sin. So listen to me, believers in the room. When God washes you clean of all of your sins by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, look at me. Can you allow yourself to just feel forgiven? Just feel forgiven. Some of you have this intellectually, yeah, I think I'm forgiven. You don't feel forgiven because some of you are too religious. I think I just got to try harder. I mean, I know I'm forgiven, but I just really need to try harder. I got to push harder for this forgiveness. Actually, what I think I probably should do is I should self-punish for what I've done. And what you're doing is you are listening to this defeatist message in your own mind, and it's shaming you as a failure. And you need to hear this morning, that's not the voice of God talking to you. That's a guilty conscience pretending to be God. The blood of of Jesus cleanses you from that. 
I'm gonna put this as simply as I can. And it's not my words. It's my favorite hymns of all time. But I'm gonna sum it up. There is a fountain. There is a fountain filled with blood that's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners who plunge beneath that flood lose all of our guilty stains. How many of our guilty stains? All of them. Not 99% of them. This blood's legit. All of them. The Bible calls the blood of Christ precious. Stay with me. Listen, 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, the greatest and most valuable currency ever known to man, the precious blood of Christ. So listen, you have this guilty thing going on inside of you. Revelation deals with this. I got to go here before we close. Revelation chapter 12. Now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. Listen, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Who's the accuser? We know who that is. Who accuses them day and night before God. How do you conquer your accuser? How do you conquer your guilty conscience? Revelation tells us they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. How much of your sin? All of it. Listen, when he says all, he means all. He didn't say of all my past sin. You're going to sin later on this afternoon? Jesus made an end of that. You've got to believe it. And we're left with only one response in all of this truth. To praise the one, the risen Son of God. That's all we have left to do.